Hey everyone, welcome to the Atari Hacker Podcast. Yes, the title of the podcast is freaking clickbaity and that's on purpose so that we get more people to listen to the podcast. But don't worry, you're not going to find what you usually find when you Google how to get rich online on YouTube or on Google in this podcast episode. Uh, and actually the story I wanted to start this podcast with is when most people ask us like which metrics we look at for our business, I tend to reply profit after tax and uh, Everything else is vanity metrics. And the reason I say that, it's not actually true, to be honest. Like we look at other metrics, obviously. But I like to get people to think that you don't pay your rent in backlinks. You don't pay your rank, your rent in rankings, etc. And it's something that is often disconnected in people's mind. Many of us have the vision of having wild financial success with online marketing, with online businesses, but very few people have an actual path on how they will get there. So in today's episode, we want to try to give you some method to the madness and actually give you actionable steps that you can use to actually get rich from what you're doing online. But before we get going with the episode, I'd like you to subscribe if you're on YouTube and hit the notification bell icon so that you don't miss any episode in the future. And if you're not on YouTube, if you're listening to the audio right now, please go find us on YouTube and subscribe there as well. We are adding a lot of content there. We are going to be pushing YouTube a lot this year. So if you want our content, you need to be on YouTube. But enough teasing, let's get started with the episode. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Mark is back. Uh, it's actually the second episode we record since he's back, but I didn't like the first one, so we trashed it. So welcome back, Mark. I had to set myself up in Portugal as well. Um, we had some technical issues with the video as well, so... It's like we have a backup episode, I guess. But it wasn't my favorite. We do actually throw quite a bit. I think we throw away more podcasts than many other podcasters. Like I would say like maybe 6 7% of all episodes have been thrown away maybe and never released because, yeah, we want this podcast to always be quite actionable, etc. Actually, like walk the talk and actually like go to the actionable stuff, right? So like basically people click here, they want to get rich. Promising people to get rich is a hard promise to make. And I can't promise that if you listen or watch this episode, uh, you will get rich. But we can try to break down what it takes to actually get rich from what we're doing. And essentially what you need to do is you need to make more money than you need for what you need to spend right now for like paying for everything you need, paying for all your bills. And then you can use that money to either upgrade your life or use that money to try to get even richer. And that's essentially what we're going to talk about. And this podcast, we're going to have two main parts. The first part is going to be how to actually make that money like the different models that you can use with authority size to make that money. And then the second part is going to be what to do with the money to actually get rich from it, because it doesn't just take to like make initial income. It actually does take money management as well to really get rich. And we are going to be slowly going into personal finance as well. I'm quite curious to see how you guys are going to react yeah. to that. It's, it's super interesting, by the way, because virtually none of the entrepreneurs who I, I've talked to in the last year do any of this stuff. They... There's this common understanding that, oh, we're running a business that's making a lot of money. That's how we get rich, just off of that, like all the other rules, all the other best practices that normal people have to to do to save and stuff don't apply to us. Well, that's very, very wrong. So hopefully we can correct some of those misunderstandings today. Yeah. Okay. So let's get started with the first part, which is making the money, right? And what we want to talk about is essentially the main ways through which people acquire fairly large amounts of capital that are required to essentially do the stuff that we're going to talk about in part two. So some people that are listening, I know are already there. Like I know there's a lot of people doing really well listening to this podcast. And some people are still working towards it. If you're still working towards it, by the way, we have a free webinar on starting authority sites, which is, you know, we're going to talk about that. 
You can just go to notoryhacker.com and it's going to be there. If you haven't gone through it, it's a pretty good training. But let's get going. How do you make the money? What's the first model? So I just, just want to kind of be clear about what we're selling when we sell a, a course. We're selling like a business model, a tactic, a strategy for how to start an authority site. Say what a lot of people I think promise or are really trying to sell is, hey, you're going to be, you're going to be rich if you, if you just do this thing. That's not necessarily the case because I know a lot of people who have built really successful authority sites, built really successful online business or offline businesses, and they're still kind of dirt poor because they spend all their money or they do lots of kind of stupid stuff. And I think that a lot of the mentality that entrepreneurs have around this is born out of the success that we hear about on the news for, you know, the guys who sold YouTube to Google for however many billion it was, or Tom from MySpace who, who, who got, I don't know, 120 million and, and travels the world. These big, like high profile exits, which are very, very, very rare. It's almost seen as this is the typical path of an entrepreneur. You work very hard, maybe get a bit lucky, you grow your business. It doesn't really matter what you do until then, but at that point, when Google comes in and buys your company, you're suddenly a billionaire and that's how you get rich. And that is how a handful of people have gotten rich, but that's not how most people get rich from entrepreneurship. So by the way, you know, in France, when we do a, when we do dissertation, the first thing you have to do is define the terms, right? So what is rich? It's a very subjective thing, but I would say that you have enough money that you will never need to get any more money and you can live the rest of your life only spending the money that you currently have. So you don't need to earn anything more and you have a nice life that you, you don't feel bad about. It's complete financial freedom. You, you wouldn't have to work another day in your life. I mean, obviously different people have different standards, right? You know, if I want to go live in my, uh, my camper van and live off the land and, you know, I could probably do that on like, like really very little money. But if I, I don't know, I have a taste for the finer things in life and I'm, I don't know, desperate, exactly, the high thread, thread count bed sheets and, uh, you know, I don't know, gambling in Vegas or whatever rich people do. I don't, I don't know. Your threshold is very different. Yeah, the point is that the, the threshold or how you define it is, is subjective. And it doesn't matter where it is because... And it also doesn't matter how much money you're making because the tools and the ideas that we're hopefully going to teach in this episode talk about, they apply whatever your level. So if you're making a million dollars net profit after tax per month, you should still be behaving in, in okay, that you have more leeway, but you should still be investing and saving the same way because as someone who's making, you know, $1,000 profit per month, because the principles are the same, right? You have money, you want to grow your money, you want to make more money, at least most people do. So there's, there's a lot to learn here. So we talked about this idea of like having the big exit, retiring off of this. It is possible, right? And there are, there are people listening to this show right now, I'm guessing who at some point and one day in the future, this will happen to them. For most people though, this is not the most realistic or the most likely of options, you know, you're not going to have that billion dollar exit or I don't know, ten million dollar exit. It doesn't happen that frequently, and there are many reasons for that. It just gets very difficult to to grow a company. At that point, it requires lots of different skill sets, you know, for not really entrepreneurial skills, but like bigger corporate management skills. And you know, there's also amount of luck in it, and things can change, and you know, there's more competition and all sorts of stuff. So. 
it, that's, that's one kind of approach. Another, I guess, common approach in online marketing, and this has really become quite popular in, in recent years as the kind of buying and selling of websites has really exploded and, you know, Empire Flippers and FE and all these, these brokers have, have just like absolutely grown the, uh, I don't necessarily them that grew the industry, but they have been kind of at the forefront of this big wave of investment and growth and people wanting to, to buy websites and, and get into the space. So you as a, as a website owner have a, a real opportunity and loads of people in our community have done this. They've sold websites for, you know, high five figures, six low six figures, even lowish seven figures. And those amounts of money are like very, very sizable. And at least for most people, life-changing, you know, you buy a house with, yeah, with, yeah. with that in, in many places, most places. We had multiple seven figure testimonials in Chiang Mai actually. Yeah. You know, depending on where, what your kind of threshold is for like financial independence and being rich, if you make, you know, a few million dollars, then that's you there quite comfortably, uh, at least for a lot of people. So if you manage your money properly, yeah. Like if you, if you do good, the right thing with your money, if you don't, that it can go away quite quickly as well, right? Exactly. But to get back to my point, so a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of marketers, they're very good at starting a website, getting off the ground, starting to make, you know, four figures, low five figures per month. Like that's easy for them. They can keep doing that all day long. And they do because they can, they can sell the site, lock in a, I don't know, mid six figure gain and then start another site and then just repeat this process, sometimes doing it multiple times concurrently. Every time they make a sale, locking in those gains, like getting that windfall, that is how they're really acquiring lots and lots of money, like personally throughout their life and building their own kind of net worth. It's also the, the kind of idea of like reaching the plateaus, which you sometimes face when you're um, starting a site and it, it, it gets progressively harder and harder to grow it. So yeah, that like competing with like the top 10 sites in an industry becomes like sometimes requires like four or five times more resources than actually getting to make some money in that industry, you know? Yeah. So that like taking that approach and then locking in your gains as you sell a site, as you flip a site and starting another one, that's, that's different. Another approach. Another one is also the portfolio model where you kind of, you start multiple sites you, or you figure, you start a site, you figure out the model. I don't know, maybe you're really good at Google traffic or you're really good at uh, monetizing with ads or whatever it might be. You figure out that model, you do a really good job of it. And then you kind of repeat that. So let's say, I don't know, I had a, I have a paintball site, so I'll now start an airsoft site and then maybe I'll move into, I don't know, like a kayaking site or a mountain biking site or d different kind of sports, like something which is vaguely like related bit niche that you can kind of like copy paste your existing business into there and use the skills that you've acquired in terms of finding writers or building links or building sites, researching sites, and like repeat that process again and again and live off of, as a portfolio company, live off of the profit, the income from that. So you're looking to get to a point where you're fairly stable or, you know, continuing to grow a little bit. There's always ups and downs. And each month, like bring in a, a good amount of net profit and kind of lock in some, some gains that way. Another option is kind of like do one thing really well and slowly bank the profit. So the very first model we talked about was this idea of like having this big exit. In order to to do that, you need to be hyper focused and just do one business, one site, just do it really, really well. And maybe you can kind of get to that level of like a million things go in your favor. If they don't, you can still be really successful and, you know, ended up making good amounts of money, good amount of profit, but you're not like necessarily selling that business for 
uh, hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever. You're just every month making a, a really good amount of net profit. It's a really stable business. You're really kind of entrenched in your position. It's hard for others to, to break into the market because you figured everything out so well. And then you, you get to this point where, yeah, you just like continuously making a good amount of money every month. And then if you use that money correctly, invest it correctly, it will start growing even faster by itself. And then your wealth, your net worth just sort of like snowballs that way. Yeah. The thing is, like, how do you know how much you reinvest in your businesses, how much you take away? Because essentially, all these businesses, I mean, you know, when you get a big exit, I guess you make the decision at that point. But like, let's say you do the monthly profit. Like, how do you split it up, basically? And how do you make that decision? Because I'm sure it's going to be variable. Yeah. So it depends, right? In the early days, when you're first starting out, I would be tempted to reinvest everything you make in, into growth. But there's a limited amount of money you can spend that will have tangible results. So if you're spending, I don't know, $5,000 a month on content, great. You up that to 50,000, you probably see some increase, but will it be 10X increase? I don't know if you, if you up it to $500,000 of content a month. I, well, first of all, I think that would be a royal pain in the ass to, to manage all that. But like the marginal effect or the marginal benefit of each extra dollar you're spending on content is not as big as it as the previous dollar was kind of thing so probably running out of good kilos after that yeah exactly so you have to kind of like manage it and generally speaking you'll invest a lot more money in growth early on as your site matures as your site starts to stabilize and kind of you reach your natural position in in google in or in life then you're likely to maybe stop spending so much money on, on stuff that's not moving the needle. And we've been really guilty of that in the past, like just keep pumping money into links or content for site. And it's just, it stops moving after a while. It stops growing significantly after a while, in which case that that is the time to, oh, okay, let's reduce our costs. Let's sort of keep the lights on or keep it growing, keep doing a few things which are, are kind of having the most impact. And then maximize our profit and start actually, you know, paying some dividends or t taking some money out of the company that way. So it's a different way of, of kind of thinking about it. Yeah, I guess there's like a saturation point for every tactic, right? It's like if you if you block daily, cool, but like three blog posts daily, like you stop. Like it's, I think a good example in the marketing industry is uh, Neil Patel, right? He was releasing like three articles a day. Then he realized that it was saturating. I mean, he's doing well with the SEO, obviously, but it's like he realized that and then slowed down, actually. So it gives you an idea of what it is. Yeah, actually, I, I just wanted to say, actually, so I, I know, Gail, you're on Twitter. What's your, your handle again? Gail Breton or something like that? Yeah, that's so, it. <laughs> while, while I was away on my honeymoon, you, you tweeted about your dirty secret is that you actually like listen to Neil Patel and Eric Sue's podcast every day and it's, it's actually pretty good i think this is a, it's an interesting point so we and a lot of other marketers talk about neil patel and sometimes it's kind of negative context but actually like there's a lot of things that that he does right he just has this kind of like target on his head because he's i guess the biggest guy and people love to hate hate him and like favor the underdog instead but like a lot of man like a lot of the stuff that they they talk about there and a lot of stuff on his blog is actually pretty good yeah, I agree. I think it's pretty good. Like that's how I was like, stop hating, you know. It's like I'm I'm the world's number one hater usually, so that means a lot, you know. If you start from scratch, which one would you go for? Like which model would you go for? I know I know it's kind of like outside of the topic of the podcast, but I also know people want to know. Do one thing really well and slowly bank the profit. 
I think that is the way to go. I think when people start, most people have this idea of having a big exit and retiring off of that. But when you get into it, the practicalities of that, even if you're having a $2 million exit or something like that, by the time you pay all your taxes and by the time like you factor in all, all your costs and your broker's fees and your transaction costs and your you know whatever percent escrow fee and all this kind of stuff that goes into it, depending on where you live and where you pay taxes, you, you can actually walk away with like quite a bit less, especially like you and I, we're business partners. So that we're like splitting that then whatever we make 50% less. So by the time you get, you get down to it, what can seem like just all the money you'd ever need in your, in your life, when you break it down, it, it ends up kind of not being quite enough. And, you know, entrepreneurs are always kind of like passionate to like go on and do the next thing and like start something else. So that's also something I guess you, you all think about as well. So doing one thing well, basically, and kind of like taking a profit every month. Okay. What's the one with the highest potential? Potential for, do you mean like, like how much making the most money you can? Like, okay. You know, so like these people, so there's, who... there's, there's, I guess there's two really good questions here, which you didn't really ask, but I think you should have. So one is like, which model has the highest likelihood of you being able to succeed? And in that case, that's the next question. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> that is, I would say like focusing on one stage, flipping and starting over. Once you get into it, it's actually pretty easy to start new sites and to make a, a little bit of money and flip them on and just to keep doing that over and over again, flipping it, selling it after you've kind of built it up. It, it's not going to work 100% of the time, but it's pretty a pretty reliable way to consistently make some income. Yeah. And even if you fail one, you don't invest that much in one. Like it's like you can reboot and it's not a big loss. But because you're selling it so early on in its its life, you know, you're you're never giving it the chance to have that like massive, massive growth potential. So to answer your question about which one has the highest potential, it's either portfolio or doing one thing. I would say doing one thing really well because you just get into such a solid position with your company. Like I'm not going to name them, but there's a, there's a course company that we're, we're kind of like quite, quite good friends with. And man, they have just like figured every single part of the sales process. They're, they built their own shopping cart, the way they like onboard their customers, they track everything. They like optimize everything. All their ads are like, they have software, which automatically increases their spend and decreases at certain times. They've just really like, done a good job of like figuring out every part of their business and someone else coming in to compete with that may look at them and think, oh yeah, I could make a course like this. I'll just throw it on Thinkific and I'll, I'll make as much money as they do. Like, no, no, you won't. You, it'll take you years to, to get even close to that. And you won't have the focus that they have put over on this for the last five years. And they're not even 30 as well. Exactly. They're really young actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just want to say, so they have, they have time for this compound interest. Okay, well, I guess I guess we're done since you already answered the highest chance of success. Yeah, it's like my vision is that if you want to really, really, really do well on the internet, there's kind of like two sides of things. There's the big media that essentially hammers large quantities of content and kind of wins by flooding the internet with content. So that would be like an example would be like uh, in the tech niche, maybe like CNET, TechRadar, these kind of like big publications, uh, Engadget as well, maybe. This kind of big publication. And on the other side, you have what I call craftsmen, uh, which are probably closer to the people that would be listening to this podcast. Because like the big media, they really like big, big, big media. Like they spend millions and millions per year on content. And it's just like, it's, 
mostly out of the reach of most people who listen to this podcast. So most people will go into craftsmen. And, you know, I'm thinking of like YouTubers and people that are like solo players, but still like because they're able to create content that's so superior to what these brands do, they get a massive amount of reach. So MKBG on YouTube, Jonathan Morrison, maybe like iPhone do as well. I think it's a really good guy for like, if you want to see what uh, entertaining reviews could look like, check these guys on YouTube. You get the idea. These guys are like one man bands, etc. but they're doing really well. And they're getting very often more rich, like reviewing like the latest iPhone or like the really, really big items people are waiting for than these big media companies, because they're able to create something that most people cannot do. And I think that's this doing really well thing and, and slowly bank on the profit thing, which I think on YouTube, you can find these people. I mean, like PewDiePie as well was like the biggest YouTuber forever. It was just like one man then. He was just very good at engaging people. So that gives you an idea of this. But anyway, I think we can slowly close this how to make money section, unless you want to add something. No, I think that's good. All right. So now let's talk about the fun part, which is what to do with the money. And before we talk about what to do, we're going to talk about what not to do. It's like, uh, it's funny because like the first point I see on the list is a uh, beware of lifestyle creep, which is essentially upgrading things in your life and, you know, like buying something like nicer stuff, taking a bigger rent, getting a nice car, these kind of things, which to be honest, are really difficult to come off, like off, like, like let's say once you had a nice place, it's really hard to get out downgrade to like less nice place. And it's going to like hurt your ego. It's going to make you feel like shit, etc. Whereas if you never upgraded in the first place, you'd be completely fine with it. These are the lifestyle creep things. And actually it makes me think of um, when we started making a bit of money in Budapest. And then we used to go to this tech house all the time and like spend, it's like not that much money. It was like 60 bucks for a meal in Budapest. But like it's the equivalent of like 200 pounds in London, let's say for a meal and we used to go there all the time and eventually I was like you know what this doesn't make me happier and I just cut it all off completely but yeah basically like be careful of the lifestyle creep like, like it's easy to especially when you have gradual increase in income like you know like you end up making a couple of hundred bucks more per month etc you start like oh we can do this we can do this we can do this and then all of a sudden like you're spending all that money and you're spending triple per month and that is like we'll talk about later but like this money that you have in your hand is an occasion to make more money and essentially by buying this stupid stuff that disappears after you know, the restaurant or something like this you're compromising a lot more money down the line i guess anything else you want to say on uh, yeah lifestyle lots so i think that if you've never had people around you in your life that could be like family friends parents who you know had good money practices themselves then most likely you've you've grown up not really knowing to save or how to manage your money or just spending all your money as soon as you got it, living paycheck to paycheck kind of thing. It works for some people, but the majority of people, they would be better off being a bit more, more sensible about it. And it really comes down to you looking at what you're spending your, your money on. So that could be you know you, you said in spending it on uh, expensive steak dinners or something. You could say, okay, well, going out for a nice meal every so often, that's a nice experience. That's adding a lot of kind of good experiences, good fun to to your life. But if you start doing it, you know, three times a week, how necessary is that? But you probably lose the the specialness of it because that kind of becomes your, your norm. And then, you know, having a, a steak somewhere else suddenly becomes like just a terrible experience because it's, it's not, you know, Argentine Angus or whatever. You know, it's not the end of the world. 60 spending 60 bucks and something like that where it gets a bit more i guess dangerous is if you lock yourself into a kind of 
commitment on something. A good example of this would be a, a car loan or a, a car lease, which has like a fixed fixed term of, of some kind. You know, it's, you're locked in for three years and you end up paying, you know, 2K a month for the BMW, whatever it is these days that the, the kids are driving. I don't know. Especially because a car as well is like a depreciating asset. So if you're taking a loan to buy yeah, it, like the you're, you're straight into negative equity straight away. There's always like terrible interest rates, terrible conditions. Car depreciates over time. It's generally just a bad idea. The other category of things would be, I guess, like frivolous show-offy things. I'm thinking like fancy watches or like absurdly expensive clothes that you're only going to wear. I can think of some SEOs, yeah. Yeah, right. Not going to quote any names, <laughs> but, um, but I'm sure some people know. <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, just so we're clear, you know, there are one or two things that like pe some people will just go crazy for having like a super nice watch. It's like, it's really important to them and it brings them a lot of happiness. And, you know, maybe they bought some classic Rolex and it actually holds its value quite well because it's, it's rare or something. I don't know. But the people who go out and buy, you know, like, a watch a month or you know something like that and like never actually wear it all the time or you can quite quickly flush a lot of money down the toilet and if you just have that money sitting in your current account think well i've made loads of money i can afford to spend it great but you just need to be very aware of what the opportunity cost of that money of spending that money is so if you're not aware of any kind of investments you have no investments you just have all your money sitting in a current account then you're losing money each year, you know, two or 3% wherever you are to inflation. So the value of your money, of that $100 in your bank account is $98 next year because you can't buy as much because prices have gone up because that's how, generally how the world works for most of the time. So yeah, you have to be very kind of understanding about, okay, I'm spending 20 grand on this, uh, this new custom suit or this Rolex or whatever fine, I really want it. But what if I had actually invested that money in the stock market? Like, what would that look like? And then if you realize that maybe you could have been getting six, seven, eight percent return on that per year compounded over 30 years, you suddenly you're, you're not giving up 15 grand, you're giving up, you know, 150 grand or 100 grand or whatever the number is, is I don't know. And, you know, obviously that, that, that new figure will be worth less in 30 years, but getting a rate of interest on your investment, which is significantly above inflation, you're kind of like growing your money exponentially each year and extrapolated across everything you do, you know, all of your expenses, all of your unnecessary expenses, you can very, very quickly end up spending what could have been, you know, life-changing amounts of money for you because you just didn't know that it was a good idea to invest or you didn't know how to invest or where to invest that money in order to grow it. or you never made that connection that you were giving that that up because you didn't kind of recognize it as a possibility right yeah beware lifestyle creep don't buy stupid shit you sound like my mom yeah i mean look there's a reason parents drive this this kind of crap into uh into their kids because there's there's genuinely merit in this but i, I think the way people communicate certainly the way in school and my parents to an extent communicated to me it didn't really they didn't really sell it to me what really yeah, sold yeah. this they don't tell you why yeah what really sold this to me was this is a community called fire financial independence retire early and most of the people in there are i would say like you know they have a standard kind of office job or they they work for the government or something and 
they hate their jobs. They don't like what they're doing. And their primary goal is to get out of that and not have to work. And the way they do that is that they, they live a really, really frugal life. You know, they're doing coupons for their shopping and they live with their mom and stuff. Yeah. Like house hacking, all this stuff. And you know, there, there are merits to, to some of those things, but they're living really frugally. They're saving as much as possible. They're investing like 70% of their income or, or whatever it is. And then over, you know, 10, 15 years, they save enough up so that they reach this financial independence point where they can take like three or 4% of their investment out each year. And then that is significant amount of money. They can live off of that each, each year. They have a million dollars in their, um, in their savings, in their investment account. They have a $30,000 a year that they can, $30,000, $40,000 a year they can take out. Uh, and there's all sorts of plays on that. You know, you can go live in Portugal or Bali or something where cost of living is much cheaper than, you know, San Francisco or, or any like major city. And you can kind of play into some arbitrage there, but that's what kind of like sold me on this this thing not that i'm i'm trying to like escape and retire or anything but what i learned from that community working with me is that excruciating you know what was so powerful about i think what that community has to to share and the methodology is it's really when you break it down it's just the simplest least amount of effort most efficient way for the average person who doesn't know a crap ton about finance and investing to think about their money, to use their money, to invest their money, to manage their money, so as to set them up in the best possible long-term financial position to have freedom in their life. That that's something which financial freedom, something which now I understand that it's a thing. It's, it's like I really, really value it. I mean, I'm definitely nowhere close to to being there yet, but it's 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 something that's very much at the back of my mind. It drives a lot of uh, kind of what I do and how I think about upcoming expenses or things I, I could spend my money on, like, well, I could do this or I could actually save it and invest it and then get this amount of return. How much would that be worth in 25 years or something? And then it kind of changes your perspective on what you spend your money on. And just being a bit more, not necessarily frugal, but being a bit more aware of the implications of it, you start to prioritize different things in your life. Like, okay, well, actually, do I really need to spend all this money on a new car or can I get basically the same thing that's three years old for half the price and uh, is going to do, you know, just the same good a job as, as this other one? Yeah. Uh, so it, and the price difference basically is three cars when you retire or something. Uh, or 10 cars, you know, it depends how, how long you, you yeah, retire. Yeah. And I know we, we talk about retirement and all that. It's like uh, someone who's like 22 years old listening to this, like, ah, you old fogies, what the hell do you know? I'm going to be rich and sell my business to Google long before then. Before I'm 30. That's usually the goal until you turn 30. Yeah. I always kind of ask people who are a bit skeptical of it a few questions and it goes something like this. So do you plan to be alive when you are above the age of 60, 65? Most people would say yes. All right. So do you plan on spending any money at all when you are that age? Again, most people would say yes. So if you answered yes to those two questions, then it's probably going to make sense that you invest in a pension in, in some way. I mean, most countries, the UK, the US, most countries out there have very good pension accounts that you can kind of invest your money into. The growth will be tax-free. Some of the, you can sometimes take out lump sums when you retire tax-free or there's, there's lots and lots of tax benefits, but they're essentially, they're not some like fuddy-duddy pension account, which 
some managers imagine that these are just like stocks and shares accounts that you can invest wherever you want in the in the market if they're like tax-free investments that counts basically yeah, basically and when you kind of like phrase it like that a lot of people are like oh actually that's that sounds kind of cool i i quite fancy you know, i have a question though like a lot of people in this community would be like oh i don't care i'm like incorporating in hong kong or singapore and then i don't pay any corporate tax or anything so I might, it's like who cares about the retirement stuff like i'd rather have access to my money whenever i want and and anywhere I can just take advantage of like zero percent corporate tax, like tax havens, you know. So the, I mean that it doesn't change anything. So h- however much money you're making each month, wherever that is, it still makes sense that you invest that money in some way that it's going to grow. So if you have done all the I don't know offshore incorporation and you're paying zero tax or very very low tax somewhere, if you're making money, that money's still going to be sitting in an account somewhere. And if it's just sitting in your current account or your holding company account, then you don't need a retirement setup. Well, or maybe you don't need to, or you're not eligible to invest in a a retirement account from that. Although I would say that you can also invest, you know, your personal money in that account. It doesn't have to be from the the company. And if you want to like hide it from the tax man or whatever, I'm not advocating that in any sense. No, let's not go there. uh, Yeah, I'm not advocating (laughs) that in any sense. My point is that at some point, this money which you make, the profit from your your business, it's going to be sitting in an account somewhere. It could be your company account. It could be your, I don't know, offshore account or what, wherever it is. It's sitting there and it's losing money each year because of inflation and probably some exorbitant bank fees and stuff as well. So why not actually take that money and invest it? Even if you're like one of these people, and I know there's a few people in the community here who, who just like hate paying any kind of tax at all like yeah i'm, I'm gonna do everything i can go out of my way to, to never pay any tax fine do that and then take all the money and put it in some other tax haven account that can invest it in the stock market in some kind of like low cost index fund that's going to grow over the long term and be relatively uh kind of stable-ish because if you do that versus just leave it in the, the current account you're you're going to make so much more money over the, the course of your life and you're going to have by the time you retire, I mean, depending on how old you are now, you, you're going to have two, three, four, five times as much money. So do you want more money or do you want less money? It's kind of a question I would put to those people. Fair enough. I wanted to like talk about something else. Like when you talked about the fire stuff, I think what's interesting about that is that most of the business models we run, I don't know how long they would last. I know like it's fairly long term, but like, you know, what will Google look like in 20 years, et cetera? Hard to tell, right? And so... If you don't, like basically the money you make today, you have no guarantee you'll make the same amount of money in like 15, 20 years. If you're young, especially like, holy shit, like things are going to change a lot throughout your life. And it's like, there's an opportunity for that money that you're making to have an impact throughout your life if you're actually doing a good job with it versus just paying for your bills right now or maybe paying for your fancy lifestyle, etc. And I think that's kind of like the mentality of like getting rich is like, it's stacking up. It's like stacking up things over time and eventually like the money, like the, the effort you've put 20 years ago is still working for you while you're still making more while you're working. And that's how you actually get rich. And so because of the business model that we run, like people who run online businesses, I'm sorry, it's going to change a lot, like a ton. And not everyone's going to survive the changes. Like, you know, if you do a good job and you're working hard, etc., there's good reasons for you to still be around. But it's not 100% guaranteed that you will survive all changes, etc. And even if everything went to shit, but you've done a good job with your money, this is still going to have a lifelong impact to the point where you either will not need a job or you will live still very well, regardless of what your situation is after that. 
And I think just that security is very comforting for people. And I think that's the way to approach it as well. Yeah. And that's, you know, we were talking about this earlier. It's, it's important that you do invest heavily in, in growing your business in the, in the very, very early stages. But at the other end, it's also very important that at some point in the not long term, but like medium ish term, you actually start taking some money out of that business and realizing some of those gains. It could could be when you flip it on, it could be a point where you cut some of your costs and actually like try and maximize your profit a bit more. But if you're just constantly running a, you know, break even, let's go after growth, growth, growth at all all cylinders, then at some point when you're not achieving that, you there's a chance that you can wake up one day being slapped by Google, Facebook's changed all their algorithm for their ads, whatever else is going on. These things can can very rapidly change, very ra- rapidly affect you. And you you might find yourself like without a business, you wake up one day in 10 years and then realize that for the last 10 years, you haven't been saving or investing any of the money you could potentially have been making as a profit. And then suddenly you're like, oh shit, do I have to go back and get another job now? Or like what I do, right? And there's there's few things in life that scare me more than the, the the prospect of having to even consider getting a job somewhere. I mean, that's like I just refuse to let that happen. So the idea of kind of growing your your net worth over time and gaining not necessarily like even complete financial freedom, being able to live forever on your investments and stuff, but even like getting a bit closer to that you know, even 10%, 20%, 30% of the way towards that, it affords you just like such an extra barrier and like level of comfort that you you wouldn't have. So if something happened, it would even give you like time to figure out what's your next step, what's in the, the, the next thing you, you, you want to do. That's another reason why like in, in our company, we talked about this in another podcast, but like having this kind of emergency fund so you can continue to operate for, for a period of time if you know google takes away all your traffic tomorrow or, or you know something crazy some existential threat materializes and and you will have time to kind of weather that and figure out what your next move is and grow some some additional revenue elsewhere i want to say something i started the podcast saying we're going to be very actionable i want to get into the tactics right now like what do people do with the money what do we do like i have a bunch of cash what do i do okay so you need to, first of all, realize that investing that money in the stock market, in the market, is a good thing. It's not like gambling on the roulette table, which a lot of people think it is. Like, oh, I'll just pick the stock. Does it, does it go up or down? You can invest in the entire stock market at once through something called an index fund, which is it's basically a single place that you can invest. And that fund, which pulls all this money, buys automatically using like an algorithm shares in every company of every size in every country you're basically buying exposure to the entire market and the world as a whole in general over the long term not over the short term but over the long term is getting the economy is growing right and barring any kind of world war three or alien invasion in which case your money's maybe the least of the, your concerns or pandemic yeah, or, or, or pandemic, um, <laughs> barring anything like that, then the value of this fund is going to increase over time, over the long run. It, it's not going to be a straight line up. It'll go up and then it'll go down and it'll go up and down, kind of like your Google traffic maybe. But in general, it's going to grow over the long term and it's a relatively safe way of 
getting not an amazing return. You, we're not talking about like a thousand percent Bitcoin level of uh, levels of return. You're not trying to beat the market here. You just want to be the market, get the average because it's very easy. It's very low risk. It's very passive, right? You don't have to become an expert stock investor or the next Warren Buffett to, to pick these things. You just say, okay, I want to ex expose myself to the whole market. And there are fund managers like Vanguard's a really, really popular one that have incredibly low fees, like 0.2% or 0.1 something percent. There are others where, you know, you go to some fancy Wall Street company and they'll, they'll charge you 1% to manage it all actively. What a lot of people don't realize is that 1% fee on something like this is actually, if you're making 7% interest, it's actually one seventh of your money. So it's quite substantial. So what do you go for that? Like, Let's say I want to get started. Like, do I go to my bank? Do I go to do I go to a website? Where do I go? Depends which country you're in, but most countries will have a lot of banks will offer the ability to buy stocks and shares in, in the stock market. And one of the types of shares essentially is a is a, is a fund that you can buy. So I know in the UK most banks have have that that functionality. Usually, have to like sign up for a separate service. There are specialist stockbrokers which you can open open accounts with there are even specialist types of accounts like special tax-free savings accounts pensions accounts as a type of account or just a general account which you as an individual or even you as a company can open and, and invest your money in that way but the the key is to pick one with as low cost as possible do some shopping around same way you you know you don't automatically just buy the first airline fare that you come across you know go to some comparison sites and and see who's offering the lowest fees uh, and go with that and kind of invest your money slowly and steadily over the long run and and just keep it in in these kind of like low cost low cost index funds and it's a it's a good way there's to actually an app in the us that's really really popular called robinhood robinhood.com so like you can basically load cash you get interest rate on that cash which is right now is 1.8 percent so the cash that's not even invested in the market they give you interest I mean, you can buy funds and stocks, options, golds, and even cryptos if you want. So it's, I would check that out if you're in the US, I guess. Yeah, the thing is just make sure like the majority of the money that you invest is in something which is likely to increase in the long run. You know, you be as broad as possible. Don't overexpose yourself to a single company or a single sector or a single country, because that way, if there's something really bad happens there, then you can you can take a massive hit and potentially not recover quite quite so quickly. I think that's the worst. Imagine you've been riding up your whole life and it just crashes just when you intend to use that money. I think that that'd be the worst, actually. Yeah, and it's kind of outside the scope of this this podcast. But when you get to the age where you actually start to need to rely on that and you're not contributing to it anymore, then you can you get into what's called like asset allocation, where you you stop investing so much into like the the riskier stock market uh, through these funds, and maybe like invest more into funds which are buying government bonds, which are a lot more stable, though the upside is is a lot less risky as well so the the your the fluctuation of your net worth will deteriorate will be less intense as you get to, to that age if you can allocate more of your your net worth into uh into bonds as opposed to stocks but again for most people listening to this just the idea of the money that you make from your business or from your clients or from your SaaS company or whatever it is take that and invest it and invest it regularly and invest it kind of like smartly Again, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. Just like, do you put all your money in there? Do you like take all your savings and be like, boom, index funds? Most of it, yeah, yeah. 
So there are a few things I like to dabble in as well. You know, like I, I, a few years ago, I was like, okay, let's let's pick up some crypto. Some of it did well, a lot of it didn't, <laughs> but it's fine. It's like, it's a bit of fun. You know, there's a lot of potential upside. As long as you're not taking like 98% of your net worth and putting it in cr something incredibly risky like crypto, you, you'll, you'll generally be, be all right. So what split would you recommend people go for? Oh, uh, like maximum 10% on like the fun stuff and like 90% on, on, on other stuff. A lot of people are into, um, you know, precious metals like gold is, is kind of like a hedge against uh, recession and stuff like that. But again, I don't like to be super, I'm not super smart. I'm not a financial expert. I'm not trying to beat the market. I'm just trying to get like a, a semi-decent return without me having to think about it, without me having to spend any time like checking the Wall Street Journal or, you know, any of these financial times, like what's going on? Like, I, I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to focus on my online businesses. And then when when they generate a profit, I will allocate it or I will, I will put it into uh, these, these kinds of investments. And one thing I do do is every month I will log into all my accounts. It can be like just money I have in uh, my bank account maybe uh, look at my mortgage account as well, see how much is left left uh, that I have to pay off in there. And uh, I will just try have a spreadsheet and look at that each month. And hopefully the, that will go up over time. It can go down as well, but if you track it for long enough, you will start to see that over the long run, you know, the money that you have in these these, these kind of investments, especially will, will, will tend to go up again over the long run. Okay, uh, anything else that people should know? Yeah, I mean, Go on Reddit and look at the financial independence subreddits there. Different countries have, have their own ones as well. Honestly, there's so, so much cool stuff you can learn. And even if you spend you know, a couple hours looking at the basics and you can really come away with the knowledge which will completely transform your, your financial future. You know, As entrepreneurs, we spend a lot of time figuring out how to get more traffic, how to increase our conversion rate so that we can make more money at the end of the day. But we spend no time figuring out what to do with that money. It seems a bit kind of dumb when you think about it like that, you know? I was going to say, you know, it's like, let's say like two people who are 25 are starting websites today and having exact exact same revenues per month, but one does it and one doesn't. One's going to retire multimillionaire and the other one's going to retire with like a, like six figure or something. Making like, like you know, making the same income. That's the, the, the difference that can happen here. So he's not hardcore online marketing. But this is something online marketers should know. And if you want to do well, which is what we want the people to listen to this podcast, and we kind of get an idea of the lifestyle you're living, etc. If you want to do well, then it's the kind of stuff that you probably should know. And it's good to like be able to dabble a little bit into that. And that's why we did this episode today. Do you have like a tip, like something people can do like right now so that they improve their situation? Look at how much money you have in your current account and how much interest or how much you're losing to inflation. Go and figure out what the best investment tax-free investment accounts are in your country in the uk we have the isa individual savings account and the sip self-invested pension plan each country has different things things like 401k and roth ira in the us and again each country has different ones go figure out what those are and open those accounts just having them open will at least give you the opportunity if you want to invest some of your money in a, in a, have a look at Vanguard, have a look at some other low fee index funds that cover the whole of the market, that expose you to the whole of the market. Yeah, have a look on Reddit. Maybe if you have time, read a book or two about investing and kind of financial freedom. 
The Wealthy Barber, yeah, really, really good one as well. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, another another good one, a little bit controversial, that guy, but some great lessons in, in, in there at the same time. And Ramit Sethi, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. That's, a, that's another really good one. A lot of the principles of this kind of stuff he, he talks about in, in there. And it's just, just a great book. Like I'm, I'm a big Ramit Sethi fanboy, actually. So go check out his uh, book at the same time. Keep in mind, whatever your net worth that's invested is, you can at any point withdraw three or 4% of it and you won't reduce your capital. Like you will, that money will come out of the gain minus inflation. And so you can kind of like live off of that perpetually, like forever. So figure out what you need to live on or what you'd like to live on and then divide by 3% to figure out how much money you need to acquire. And it's probably going to be a lot. It's probably going to seem like a lot of money to get there. Six figures, definitely. Uh, uh, and then for, for a lot of people as well, seven figures. But over time, over over the, the period of your life, it with compound interest, that kind of stuff really can add up very quickly, especially as an entrepreneur, because you have something which a lot of a lot of employees, especially startup employees, maybe a bit differently, but a lot of employees in larger companies who have jobs with no commission and maybe they'll get a 7% bonus at the end of the year if the company has a really good year. But generally, they don't have much control over their income. They can't increase their income. The only thing they can do is reduce their costs. That's why you see a lot of fire chat about uh, being super frugal in that. As an entrepreneur, you have the ability quite easily to increase your increase your income, increase your revenue, increase your profit. So that kind of really opens up a lot of doors, which uh, other people, I guess, don't have. So you're in a really good position if you're uh, an entrepreneur, you're working for a startup. Okay. Well, I asked for a quick tip. I got an eight-minute tangent, but uh, I'm going to take it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we actually have a training also on starting authority sites, which can help you increase your revenue, which in turn you can invest to, to grow your capital. So you can get this free training on toyhacker.com. Just go on the homepage and the offer should be there. And if you are on YouTube or not on YouTube, actually, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We are putting more content on YouTube this year. So we'd like you to be here. And thank you for listening once again. We'll see you next week for another episode, a bit more online marketing oriented. Have a good day.